Hey, it's PF, and this is not an introduction to an encore presentation of PF Tape Recorder. No, it's an introduction to a new episode, but I just thought I'd give the details up front. I've been threatening for a long time to do this project, PF's third favorite band, wherein we determine what my third favorite band is, because we know what my first two favorite bands are if you listen to the show with any regularity. So um, yeah, we're going to go ahead and do this, and uh, we'll start the intro music, and I'll see you on the other side. Hello there, I'm PF, this is my tape recorder, and welcome to a special edition of uh, the tape recorder, something I've been threatening to do for a long time, uh, PF's third favorite band, um, of course doing this because it's been hard to find guests lately, even though with the, the pandemic everybody seems to have time on their hands, but I think they're trying to hustle to you know, make money to make up for the fact that I'm not doing uh, stand-up gigs and, and whatnot. So I thought it'd be fun to uh, explore PF's third favorite band, of course if you're a regular listener to the show you realize that... Uh, it's come up in conversation before. My two favorite bands are the Beach Boys and Orchestra Maneuvers in the Dark, and uh, which people find odd, but really isn't that odd at all when you think about it. Uh, between those two bands, and I told this to Paul Humphreys of Orchestra Maneuvers, uh, that the, between the two bands, that pretty much is my entire aesthetic. Uh, Beach Boys, California, uh, Pretty Girls, Sunshine, uh, you know, uh, Good Harmonies, and, uh, and then with Orchestra Maneuvers in the Dark, British People, intellectualism, history, and then you get that Venn diagram crossing into, of course, great songs, so, there, so it makes perfect sense. And, uh, of course, the two bands performed together, to my shock, uh, they were, I guess Paul Humphreys explained to me they toured uh, Germany and alternated headlining along with some other uh, acts, some German and some uh, British acts, and at the end of the night, uh, when the Beach Boys had good vibrations, they'd bring everybody out that was on the tour, and uh, they'd all perform good vibrations together. It's pretty cool. So we're going to start these uh, with a song by each of my first two favorite bands, and we will go into the candidate uh, of the week for PF's third favorite band. And then we're going to do an honorable mention band. This is a band that I uh, like, but uh, probably you know, doesn't have a, uh, enough oomph to to, uh, to be third favorite band, but still I like a lot. And then, of course, as always, you get a brand new song of the week, and this week's uh, song will be coming from a band called Seaforth. They're pretty interesting. Uh, we'll talk about them at the end of the show. So uh, starting off with the Beach Boys, I don't remember who I got into first. Uh, the Beach Boys or the Beatles. I reckon it was the Beatles only because uh, when I started listening to music on the radio when I was in, like, in second or third grade, uh, Paul McCartney and Wings were having hits at the time. So I probably heard Paul McCartney even before I heard the Beatles, which is kind of embarrassing. But again, Paul McCartney was actively having hits on hit radio, and the Beatles were had been done for four or five years. So anyway, uh, but through Paul McCartney, of course, I immediately discovered the Beatles, Hard Day's Night, and around the same time, discovered the Beach Boys. And I'm pretty sure the first Beach Boys single I ever bought was Surfing USA. Now, Surfing USA, of course, is a little bit of a reworking of uh, Chuck Berry's Sweet Little Sixteen. Fun fact, uh... Brian Wilson had his name on the record as writer for uh, only a couple of months when his father realized, hey, we have to, because his father was a songwriter, his father said, hey, we've got to pay Chuck Berry because this is his melody and his chord changes, and these are just your words, so he has to be a, a co-writer on this. And not only, it will, and now to this day, it appears, he appears as a co-writer, but all of the royalties from Surfing USA go to Chuck Berry's estate. Well, then with the Chuck Berry before he passed away, now they go to his estate. So um, even though Brian Wilson is listed as the co-songwriter, all of the money that Surfing USA ever made uh, went to Chuck Berry. So uh, that's kind of nice. So uh, good on Murray, who was 
seen as kind of a prick, uh, Brian Wilson's father. Anyway, so we're going to hear a little blast of uh, Surfing USA. Surfing USA, the first Beach Boys record I ever bought, I'm pretty sure. Uh, I later begged my parents to buy me the Endless Summer album uh, off of TV, and uh, I finally got it, and I was completely hooked, and then kind of the Beach Boys started to eclipse uh, the the Beatles, and uh, although I did get into a big 60s kick at that point from then on, so from the late 70s on, I liked a lot of 60s music and or bands from the 60s that were still making music, so Orchestra Maneuvers in the Dark... Uh, I was kind of late to that party. Weirdly, even though they were like one of the you know big new wave bands of the era, MTV, which I didn't really get until I think we got in '82, we got it at my mom's house. Uh, they never played OMD videos. I never saw an OMD video until well after the song I'm about to play was out. I didn't see this song's video uh, for until a couple of months after it came out. I heard it actually on the radio on a station in Pittsburgh. And uh, I'd heard OMD a little bit. I played them in college. Junk Culture was out my first year of college when I started the, at the college radio station. Uh, played Tesla Girls, liked it. Uh, Locomotion on there was was good. Uh, Apollo I used to like. I'm not keen on it anymore. But I thought, yeah, these guys are okay. But I'd, I didn't know anything else about them. So the following summer, uh, this song comes out. And then I am completely hooked. And then go backwards through the catalog. And uh, the rest is history, as they say. And what's interesting about So In Love is I know of a lot of other American fans. Roger Erickson, he does remixes for OMD sometimes. He has a, a real job, though. He's a, he's a doctor or something in Utah. And another guy runs an OMD page. Uh, Pat's World of OMD. He lives up in Seattle. And uh, from what I understand, we all pretty much came to OMD from the Crush album, which was their fifth album. And then went backwards and then continued going forward with them. But anyway, so here is uh, pretty much the first song I really got into with OMD. This is So In Love.
right, so there's the first two, uh, PS first two favorite bands, Beach Boys, Orchestra Maneuvers in the Dark. And I was thinking, well, how are we going to do this? I, I have 16 bands that qualify. I went through my iTunes and figured, well, these will be the 16 that will qualify to compete for PF's third favorite band. And I asked my wife on a walk the other night, who cares nothing about this podcast, by the way, hates it, as a matter of fact, because it's it's taking valuable time away from uh, me making money. Although, weirdly, this led to me getting uh, the current job that I have, partially, and uh, I also have a freelance gig producing another podcast, Cockpits and Cocktails. It's an aviation podcast, kids. It's two ladies, and they market it as a an aviation podcast for ladies, but really, if you have any interest at all in aviation or private aviation or just curious about it, give it a listen because they just talk about things in general with uh, being a private pilot and things like that. Interesting stuff. So check it out wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so moving on. I asked my wife, I said, well, should I just randomly pull the bands from the list or should I do what I think might be my third favorite band and move it on or go backwards up the list or try to do it chronologically like the Rock Hall does for inducting inductees and do it chronologically. She said, she said, do it chronologically in order of release. So that would lead us to the Kinks. The Kinks were part of my big 60s kick as well back there in the late uh, 70s, early 80s. And I you know, heard the hits on the radio that on the oldie stations you know, all, all day and all the night. You really got me. And this tune, I really like this tune a lot. Uh, it was recorded, let me see, it was released in 68 or 69. And, and the lore is that they, uh, he says uh, Coca-Cola in it and he had to change it because they thought Coke was going to sue them for using the name Coca-Cola in the song. So he had to, Ray Davies had to fly to New York and re-record that part of the vocal to say Cherry Cola. But anyway, uh, so that's a fun fact with Lola. And, uh, well, here it is. This is probably the, the first song I really dug by the Kings. This is Lola. I met her in a club down in Old Soho Where you drink champagne and it tastes like Coca-Cola C-O-L-A Cola she walked up to me and she asked me to dance I asked her her name and in a top brown voice she said hello by the kinks uh victoria is another great tune by the kinks it was covered by the fall who do a very fine cover of it they did a they're a british group from up north and they uh, did a cover of it in the i think late 80s and their cover is really good uh but the original also very good and it kind of demonstrates uh the kinks leaning more towards kind of like that omd thing a little more sophistication a little more uh you know history and this is an interesting commentary you know on victorian society uh i really like it a lot catchy tune uh and this remains to this day one of my favorite king songs this is victoria
Now the problem we get into the Kinks is they have a run in the 70s of albums that I'm not really keen on. Uh, Schoolboys in Disgrace and uh, things like that. There's a, 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 Everybody's in Showbiz is an album that comes out I think in 70 and it has a song called Celluloid Heroes. But Celluloid Heroes doesn't become a, a big hit really for the Kinks, at least as far as the American fandom goes, until they release one for the road in, I think, 80, when they've already signed to Arista Records. Now, when they signed to Arista Records in, like, 1978, I think I think Low Budget is the first album that they release on Arista, and that's where people start to take notice of the Kinks again, not only for their 60s work, but, you know, they're still a band, you know, actively making good records. Anyway, Celluloid Heroes comes out, I think it's released as a single from One for the Road and gets like 80 in the U.S. charts. And uh, the live version is really, really good. And I'll give you a little blast of it right here. Everybody's a dreamer And everybody's a star And everybody's in movies doesn't matter who you are There are stars in every city In every house and on every street And if you walk down Hollywood Boulevard Their names are written in concrete Don't tread on Greta Garbo you walk down the boulevard She looks so weak and fragile That's why she tried to be so hard But they turned her into a princess And they sat her on a throne But she turned her back on stardom Because she wanted to be alone See all the stars as you walk down Hollywood Boulevard Some that you recognize, some that you have even heard of People who worked, suffered and struggled for fame Some who succeeded so I looked, and yes, Celluloid Heroes comes out in 1980, reaches 80 in the USA. Good memory for me. Does not chart in the UK, though I think the original version charted back then. It is uh, The B-side is a live version of Lola, which is also really good. The whole album is actually very good, and it reminds me that I, I never saw the Kinks live, sadly. Uh, just one of the ones I happen to miss. I'm very bummed about that. I wish I would have seen them live. So we come up to 1981, and uh, my cousin buys the album... Uh, give the people what they want. And I'm familiar with the Kinks, of course, like I said, uh, from the 60s hits, uh, you know, mo- notably the big three, Lola, You Really Got Me, and uh, All Day and All the Night, plus, I guess, uh, Sunny Afternoon and Eight Man. There's other ones back there that I'm, I'm familiar with. And she plays me Give the People What They Want, uh, the album. I'm like, wow, this is really cool. And uh, Destroyer jumps out at me because it borrows uh, a little riff from uh, All Day and All of the Night, which I think is interesting. I'm like, wow, they kind of didn't do a cover of their own song, but they kind of reworked it. It's really cool. So completely blown away, I got my little cassette recorder, and I stick it up to the speaker of my cousin's record player, and I record the whole album. And uh, this, well, this is this is Destroyer. Destroyer. 
Met a girl called Lola and I took her back to my place. Feeling guilty, feeling scared, hidden cameras everywhere. Stop! Hold on. Stay in control. Destroyer, from uh, what I think is probably the Kinks' best album, certainly my favorite Kinks album, Give the People What They Want. Thanks to my cousin Michelle for uh, turning me on to Give the People What They Want and really cementing my Kinks' fandom. Another great, a lot of great tunes on this album, by the way. Uh, Art Lover, Predictable is funny. And think about Predictable, they made a video for it, and it kind of shows that the Kinks are one of the few acts, I think, that really, that were pre-New Wave, pre-punk, that really moved with the times. I think, you, could, you know, certainly David Bowie obviously goes into that category. Uh, Brian Ferry and Roxy Music, I think, fall into that category. Um, and I think, in a weird way, the Kings fall into that category. Uh, in the predictable video, uh, Ray Davis is looking all New Wavey, but I don't think he's doing it seriously. He's doing it kind of tongue-in-cheek, but not to make fun of it. He's just kind of like, I think he's Ring really is kind of a guy that's, you know, from the 60s but trying to stay with the times. And I think that musically and stylistically, uh, they're quite successful at it. Another big tune from this album you might know is Better Things. Um, it was covered by Fountains of Wayne, and uh, it's another great tune. It got the 90 in the U.S., only 46 in the U.K., but it's a, a great tune. Uh, again, probably one of their best tracks, and uh, again, from the album, Give the People What They Want. Here's Better Things. looking up for the kinks they really started to look up in 1982 when they released the album state of confusion and uh, state of confusion uh, is not quite as good as give the people what they want but it's still really good produces the big hit of course come dancing uh which i'm a little worn out on because it's the only kink song a lot of people really know especially from the 80s 
the title track is really good, though. And uh, the, the follow-up single was Don't Forget to Dance, which got to 29, so two top 40 hits in a row for the Kings. Come Dancing got to six. But uh, I've always dug the title track from this album. I think it's really good. Video, really good, again. Uh, it really encapsulates, I think, Ray Davies at the time, trying to keep up with the times, but still being you know, a little overwhelmed by them. So the song demonstrates that, the video demonstrates that, and uh, here's State of Confusion. songs by the kinks uh i didn't know if i told you at the, at the top of this but we're going to keep it to six songs uh for each band the kinks go on to release more albums do it again is another good single that comes from an album called word of mouth although the rest of the album is kind of eh. and then i think kind of the the gas kind of runs out of the tank for ray um he releases some solo albums i think the kinks last final album is think visual in 1987 uh, it's okay. It's you know, it's not as good as the the, the the meat of the order, of course. You know, with a low budget and one for the road and give the people what they want and state of confusion. Even word of mouth a little bit has in it. There's some peaks on that one. So that's uh, that's the case for the Kinks. Uh, the pluses, big catalog, lots of good tunes, uh, lots of great songwriting, lots of variety in the songwriting, variety of sound, keeping up with the times. Um, the downside, of course, like I said, the middle of the order, uh, it's a little weak uh, trying to find their direction in the 70s, kind of like the, the Beach Boys in a way. We can, we'll discuss that further in further episodes. But uh, that'll bring us up to our honorable mention band. <clears throat> the honorable mention band is going to kind of surprise people. It's the Beatles. And you would think, well, the, surely the Beatles would be uh, eligible to be your third favorite band. And yes, they would be. But it's really, and my friend Pat has, has had this discussion on his show, Rock Solid, Pat Francis, that it's it's so it's such an automatic answer to what your favorite band or one of your favorite bands is, the Beatles. And I'm reminded of a quote from Todd Rundgren. He was asked, because it was an interview in Playboy magazine back in the 80s, and um, I was a very sophisticated teenager. Uh, he, they asked him, um, what, do you, what, what album do you prefer, Sgt. Pepper or Pet Sounds? And he said, well, you know, you can hear Sgt. Pepper without really hearing it, and Pet Sounds, you really can't. And uh, I think that kind of applies to the two bands as a whole. You can hear the Beatles without really hearing the Beatles. Uh, with the Beach Boys, not so much. Uh, the Beatles just, just have, you know, it's permeated pop music and society so much that it's just, just an automatic answer. And I'm, I, I love not only the Beatles, I love the expanded universe. So all of the solo projects, even Ringo's, um, I have no problem with any of the uh, Beatles albums or Beatles offshoots or anything like that. But yeah, it's just... It's just such an automatic answer. You just hear them all the time, everywhere, and no fault of their own. Obviously, there's a reason you hear them all the time, everywhere. But 
to that end. And like I said, I discovered the Beatles around the same time as the Beach Boys. Uh, I, I bought the 45s because I couldn't afford albums. I, we, we didn't have any money. But so, you know, paying a dollar for a single was a pretty good deal. That was affordable. I did that with my allowance. And so here's one of the first ones. I think the first Beatles, oh boy, let me think. I think the first Beatles record I bought was either Got to Get You Into My Life because they re-released that as a single in 76 to promote one of the greatest hits packages. Uh, I also remember buying Hard Day's Night and Should Have Known Better was the B-side because I saw they played a Hard Day's Night on TV and I watched that and was like, wow, this is fantastic. And I think this was probably the third single I bought going backwards through the catalog, of course. Uh, Eleanor Rigby, great tune, uh, good imagery. Uh, good vocals, uh, good melody. It's just a, it tells, I'm not a big, you know, the song has to tell a story kind of thing, but this one does really well. It's, it's a really nice, compact, concise little tale. And, uh, this is probably still my favorite Beatles song. It's this or Penny Lane. It's kind of a, it's a, it's a tie for first. But, um, I like the strings in this a lot. And, uh, this is our honorable mention band for PF's third favorite band, the Beatles, Eleanor Rigby. <laughs> up the rice in the church where a wedding has been lives in a dream waits at the window wearing the face that she keeps in a jar by the door who is it for all the lonely people where do they all come from all the lonely people All right, and that brings us finally down to our song of the week. Uh, the Kinks will now uh, take a rest over there on the bench and await the results of the rest of PF's third favorite band. Uh, the, this record is interesting. Uh, found it on Freegal. I was just looking for is one of the featured songs, and uh, it's by a group called Seaforth, and it's kind of um, kind of a like a southern rock pop situation. And I come to discover they're actually, uh, they consider themselves a country band. They have charted on the U.S. country music chart. They're a duo from Sydney, Australia. I believe they have moved to Nashville, but they don't really sound particularly country. And I know there was that big controversy with uh, Little Nas X. Uh, that, you know, they pulled his song off the country chart, even though Billy Ray Cyrus was on it. And we're like, no, this isn't a country song. And this doesn't sound particularly country either. I would not have told you this is a country song unless I, like I said, when I looked them up and saw, oh, they've actually charted on the U.S. country chart. But anyway, uh, like I said, it's more adult contemporary, more AAA, I think. Uh, maybe more like they'd be from Austin. But uh, this is Seaforth. The song is called Close Enough. Uh, it is our song of the week on PF Tape Recorder. Uh, we'll have another installment of PF's third favorite band next week. But in the meantime, do enjoy Seaforth. Close Enough. Song of the week, so long, and thanks for listening. Magnetic you and me when we touch We can't seem to get close